When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Wolverine Live here on the Wolverine.com's YouTube channel. You can also hear us in our podcast feed after the fact. We are here live on a Monday night, Labor Day, uh, September 5th, 2022. Usually, Chris Ballas and Clayton Safey will join me here on Monday nights because of extenuating circumstances for both. Uh, we also have players that are speaking this evening at Schembechler Hall in Ann Arbor. I'm here solo. So basically what we're going to do is, I mean, we'll talk everything. We'll, we'll, we'll clean up Colorado State week. I want to talk about, I'm going to lead with the quarterback situation. J.J. McCarthy, Cade McNamara, obviously J.J. getting the start this week against Hawaii. And then we'll take your questions. I mean, we'll go as long as the people here decide they want to go. I have a feeling a lot of it's going to be about the quarterback battle. So I'm just going to lead off with that here. Um, (laughs) I have to choose my words carefully here because the discourse has not gotten any quieter, right? I mean, coming off of opening weekend, Cade McNamara, like, let's back it up a bit. For those of you that have missed out, which I don't think many of you of you have, if you're here watching with us, we appreciate that, of course. Two weeks ago, Jim Harbaugh said, really, it even goes back further than that. It goes back to last season. Cade McNamara holds on to the starting job all season. J.J. McCarthy comes in as a true freshman. He is just that, a true freshman. Make a healthy amount of freshman mistakes. Does, you know, but comes in and gives you a different look. He just can do, he, he, he does more with his legs. He's a little bit more of a dual threat, right? But last season, Cade McNamara does more than an admirable job. I mean, he is the quarterback on a team that wins 12 games, that beats Ohio State, that makes it to the Big Ten Championship game, wins the Big Ten Championship game, takes this program to its first college football playoff. Should have happened much sooner than seven years for Jim Harbaugh. But he did it, and he gets to wear that, and he wore it proudly all offseason. But it had always been in the back of everyone's mind that there's going to come a point in time where there is a tipping point in this dynamic between these two players. Harbaugh was asked about it last season, asked to lay it out. He says, as far as long-term, who's that guy going to be? That prediction, everybody rents that position. Nobody owns the position any position on the field, even the head coach. It's a lease at best. Those are Jim Harbaugh's words. Coming into this season, like we know what the things that made Michigan's offense so good last year, right? You set the tone up front with the offensive line. Hassan Haskins, you were able to hammer that guy. And every time you needed a play, that guy came up and gave one to you. 
And that's not taking anything away from Cade McNamara. That's not taking anything away from the tight ends, the skill players, whatever. He was one of those gotta have it guys. When you need a play, when you need two yards, when you need a long run, when you when you need a spark, a guy like Hassan Haskins was that guy. Guess what? Hassan Haskins isn't, isn't here anymore. So the whole storyline this offseason is offense is inherently going to look different. You still have your two good running backs, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, but it's going to inherently look different because one, both of your both of those quarterbacks are back this year. Two, your offensive line, they didn't play great Saturday. We'll talk about that a little bit. But back, and I think by year's end, will be better than what last year's group was. Defense, I mean, Saturday, they looked fantastic. They looked phenomenal. They did everything that you're supposed to do against a team like Colorado State. Took care of business, answered a lot of questions. But because of the makeup of this current football team, the 2022 Michigan Wolverines, mind you, this has nothing to do with 2021, what you did in 2021, what you accomplished in 2021, what your stats looked like in 2021. The second it hits January 1 at midnight after the Orange Bowl, the only thing that matters is what happens next. And all offseason, it has come with the knowledge that whatever happens next, the quarterback, whether it be Cade McNamara, whether it be J.J. McCarthy, has to be able to put more on his shoulders. And, and people have drawn their lines in the sand. That's natural, right? I mean, there's a whole subculture of people that will build its personality around whether a hot dog is a sandwich or not. We will find anything to argue about and dig our heels in about. So if your team Cade McNamara, fine. If your team J.J. McCarthy, fine. Whatever happens with either guy, at that position, that guy has to do more than he did last year. Period. I said it all offseason. And you hear Cade McNamara, and I'm not taking shots at any particular guy. Cade McNamara, all offseason, you hear, I'm a Big Ten championship winning quarterback. I'm I'm this. I, you know, I, people saying he deserves first crack. And he does. He hasn't done anything to lose his job. Jim Harbaugh decided a couple weeks ago when he was going to give each of those guys their own start to start the season, this was going to play itself out on the field because it has been neck and neck in camp. You could take the, like anytime, and this isn't, this is no attack on, on Intel. This is no attack on practice reports. People, you guys, the consumers will see the practice report and it's like a Rorschach test, right? You'll take out the takeaways to, that fit your narrative. And you see it. Okay, McNamara's had a good camp. Well, is he taking many chances? Oh, J.J. McCarthy's neck and neck, but he's turning the ball over more. Whatever it is. Whatever Jim Harbaugh's seeing, both of these guys are going to let it play out on the field. So for the people that wanted Cade McNamara to win the job, and quite frankly, for Cade McNamara himself, that has to look better than 9 for 18 for 136 yards in your first game of the year. It does. It has to be sharper. It has to be cleaner. It has to be crisp, concise, all of it. It was sluggish on Saturday. And Kid McNamara is not alone in this, right? You know, wide receivers, I don't think played great. The, uh, the offensive line, again, had some injuries, had some shuffling around to do. J.J. McCarthy comes in the game, four for four, 30 yards, three runs, 50 yards, a touchdown. 
JJ invites a lot of attention because he can do both things. And again, sample sizes being what they are, there's very little we can draw out of Saturday. People will argue there's very little you can draw out of the non-conference. In my opinion, that's true, unless it doesn't look crisp. Cade McNamara was voted a captain by his teammates, and, and I have zero reason to doubt that anyone is questioning that decision. I mean, he was a big, he was exactly what Michigan needed that needed him to be last year. So a message to the people who say that he's, he's terrible. He sucks, whatever you want to say. Do you not remember Joe Milton just a season before firing balls? So outside of where they needed to be that it hits a popcorn vendor in the side of the head. Do you not remember, you know, Brandon Peters getting his bell rung at Wisconsin? Do you not remember Dylan McCaffrey not being able to stay on the field? Do you not remember John O'Corn overthrowing guys in an Ohio State game you could have won? Kate McNamara did his job last year and deserves your respect. But there is a narrative with J.J. McCarthy that is so, and I posted this on our message board on Sunday night, it is so bothersome to me. And to be frank, I think a bit disingenuous. And that's, oh, well, he's turnover prone. He takes too many risks. He had two picks last year. He lost one fumble. Mind you, it was the fumble of all fumbles in a game that you had to have against Michigan State. I think a lot of people are holding that against him. He's a true freshman, though. He was. Uh, things happen. That sucked. That was hard to watch. But people will sit here and act like this is a guy that has iron skillets for hands and that he is just a, a toolsy traits-based prospect. Guy threw four picks as a high school sophomore. Transfers to IMG, throws no picks to senior season. 36-2 and in his high school career. Played a big role on a Big Ten championship winning team. That guy's a winner too. So is he someone who's going to turn the ball over more in practice? Yeah. I mean, when you risk, when you can throw the ball all over the field, things are going to happen. You take more risks, more bad things happen. Got to even that out a little bit. The only way that improves with is with game reps. And he's going to get them on Saturday. So when, you know, not to be long-winded here, but when I look at this quarterback battle, coming out of what the narratives are, what the talking points are, what we're talking about coming out of this first game, to me, has a lot more to do with Caden McNamara than it does J.J. McCarthy. All that J.J. did is, is what he's done for a season and a half now, or a season plus one game, I should say. You know, the tantalizing talent, the things he can do in the run game. This is Saturday was where Cade McNamara had to come out and stake his claim to the job. All the talk about what he did in camp, what improvements he made. When you snap that ball the first time in week one, it's go time. And there's been a lot of talk about McNamara as a Big Ten championship caliber winning quarterback. Actually, that is absolutely true. But when you step back and take a look at things objectively, Michigan won a Big Ten championship as a team, not one single player. The quarterback has a lot to do with that. There were moments, I talked about gotta have it moments. I mean, I think of moments at 
Wisconsin last year where Cade made a big throw or Nebraska or the Penn State game or there were a couple plays in the Ohio State game where he just had to make a play and he did. He deserves your respect. To the to the anti-Cade people, that guy deserves your respect. Period. He was the starting quarterback on a team that won your first Big Ten title since 2004. He was the right guy at the right time. He was stabilizing. He was poised. Just remember what came before that, honestly. So Michigan as a team, if you're looking to not just get back to the playoff, but compete, have a pulse, you have to evolve as a program. And your quarterback needs to evolve with you as a program. It was just one game, right? We need to see. We needed to see a, a just a more crisp outing for McNamara, and I didn't see. You know, it wasn't like there were some performances he had last year that were bad. Like the 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 Washington game wasn't great, the Georgia game wasn't great, though that wasn't all his fault. But the disrespect to really both both him, I mean, people on both sides of the de- of the debate, him and McCarthy. It's just, it's getting old. I mean, you have, truthfully, you have what Matt Weiss referred. Now, Matt Weiss was talking about the wide receiver position. You have what he would term are rich people problems. Rutgers, I think, played three quarterbacks last weekend. Hawaii still doesn't know who its starting quarterback is. There are teams all over the country that are just trying to find one guy. You have two. But, you know, upon further review, Jim Harbaugh has has put these guys in a tough spot. And maybe that's part of the test. Maybe that's part of the evaluation. But he made the call. It's been made. Cade gets week one. JJ gets week two. We'll see what happens after that. This is big-time college football, my friends. And that comes with massive pressure. How are you going to emerge from that? When I look back on Saturday's game, I saw one player that seemed a lot more comfortable and at ease. It was not the incumbent starter. So McCarthy's next. He's going to get his turn on Saturday and he's going to be held to the same standard. Like you have to start quick. You're a 51 point favorite. It has to be sharp. It has to be, it has to be crisp. You have to not just show that you can run with your legs, but make appropriate reads, make the correct throws. Don't have to put up gaudy NCAA 14 type numbers, but it does need to be smooth. You know, showing that you're capable of handling more could be something that turns the tide. Saturday might have been the last time we see Cade McNamara start a game at Michigan. It could have been, which is disappointing because I thought I expected more. So that's my long winded rant to start the show. <laughs> we go almost 15 minutes with it here. Uh, it sounds like uh, we might we might be able to get Clayton on here. So let me text him back again. Appreciate everyone for for hopping on here. We'll get to questions here soon. Uh, Hutch, I think we're going to do the ad read here now. So we'll go to that. So we do have uh, a sponsor for our Monday night show. Uh, it is our friends over at the Rogue Shop. Uh, so. Rogue Shop is a husband and wife outfit. They are craft cannabis farmers who specialize in small batch, sustainable plant medicine, uh, 
like you said, they have their own dispensary in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. They do a small indoor cannabis grow and manufacturing center where they work to educate the population and dispel rumors about THC-based medicine. Uh, this is a company, www.rogueshop.com, by the way. Uh, they sell Delta 8 products, Delta 9, CBD, and HHC. They're all lab direct. They don't use middlemen. I mean, they have products like gummies. They have uh, moon rocks, diamonds, lollipops, hard candies. They have you know, CBD pain creams, uh, CBD hot cocoa they have here on the notes for me. Now, th th these are these are good people that are, again, small business. We, we love and we respect our small businesses around here. Uh, they sent care packages out to a lot of the the on three employees that will be working with this year. Um, Richard uh, and his wife, Charmaine, own the rogue shop. Richard is a disabled combat veteran and his wife is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. Uh, they are wonderful, wonderful people. We had a chance to meet with them a couple weeks ago. Really excited to work with them this football season. So again, Rogue Shop not only grows their own stuff, but manufactures most of their products by hand. Uh, this isn't, you know, a machine assembly line. These are people that are putting their heart and soul into their work. So again, www.rogueshop.com. Rogue Shop is licensed by the USDA for growing and has a license to manufacture in Wisconsin and Texas. All products are third-party tested by Botanicor and ACS Labs. So again, uh, reach out to our friends over at the Rogue Shop. They have a live chat on their site uh, where if you have any questions about the product, anything you want to use, they're there to answer it. So uh, Rogue Shop, shout out to you guys. Uh, we look forward to working, working with you this football season. You can visit them at www.rogueshop.com. All right. Uh, it sounds like Clayton is actually going to join us in the next couple minutes here. So until then, uh, we'll start taking some questions uh, and, and go from there. So uh, first is from Jeremy. He says, preach, Anthony. think people got frustrated because all offseason we heard of the improvements that Cade made. All that most have seen is the spring game in this game. Yeah, and again, spring game, you can always take that with a grain of salt. One of the things I like to say is that anything that happens in the vacuum of one specific day, or one specific game, you know, the only thing that matters is what comes next. Right. And we get to this game Saturday and it doesn't look sharp. It doesn't look, uh, you know, I saw a guy that looked like that looked like the pressure was getting to him. And I was surprised by that because, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him last week too, or last year, I should say. So yeah, if you're, if you're going to come out and, and sell it, you're improved or that you might be a guy that can have a breakout season like a, you know, no one was expecting him to go out and be Baker Mayfield or, or uh, Zach Wilson or anything like that. Just need you to run the offense and have it look crisp. Um, you know, I think of the seven drives he had, he was one for six in the red zone. That's not good enough. He didn't look to be on the same page with Cornelius Johnson. Uh, it's, I don't know. It just, it had to look better than that. I, I don't know how much more clear I can be. Practice is one thing you earn, you earn opportunities by the way you play in practice, which is why JJ McCarthy is going to get a start uh, in this game on Saturday. But you know, game film is, is Canon that game film doesn't lie. And Saturday's game film leads a lot to be desired. So uh, Robert Hovenkamp says, will Cade's presser negatively impact him? That was something else that was eye opening. That's, you know, Michigan is very much a handle its business in-house program. 
And for him to come out and be as, as kind of forthright, I mean, and we appreciate the transparency, especially us in the media, right? We love the transparency when it comes to how guys actually feel. Uh, but holy, oh my God, speaking of transparency, here's Mr. Transparency himself. Clayton Safey has joined the show. What's up, Clayton? What's up? Fresh from uh, Beckler Hall, had some players here tonight. Obviously, maybe you mentioned that earlier, but glad to have uh, been able to make it back. Well, you missed me campaigning for Davis Warren to be the starting quarterback for the first 15 minutes of the show. So He was your number one pick for the spring game draft. So, I mean, you know. He was. He was. Well, um, as someone who is, like, ready to profusely sweat from talking by on his own for almost 20 minutes, I do appreciate that you're here. Uh, anything to take away from that press? I mean, who who did you guys speak to tonight? Roman Wilson, Michael Barrett, and Rod Moore. Uh, yeah, I will say, I mean, all three guys obviously played outstanding games on Saturday um, in different ways. I mean, Roman really flashed his kind of role as more of a slot type of guy, catching a couple screen passes, including the 61-yarder. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll talk here to give you a little break. And then uh, Michael Barrett, I asked him, you know, if he feels like he's a big part of this defense being, quote-unquote, faster than it was last year, which is a ton of guys have said that, including Rod Moore tonight. Um, and he said he didn't want to toot his own horn, but he feels like, you know, he is and that those guys are kind of flying around. Rod Moore's fast himself. He had the interception. Um, so I would, I would kind of take that away. Just the speed of the defense. Rod Moore was talking about this pass rush and how much he appreciated that. Remember Braden McGregor had a huge pressure on his interception, really allowed that to happen. He made the quarterback get rid of the ball, before he wanted to, and it was way off target. So um, that's something I've been thinking about a decent amount today as we kind of – you kind of reflect. You go in the different stages of reflection on a game, you know, where it's like initial thoughts, a lot of it was about the quarterbacks, and then you kind of turned, okay, this uh, this was good too. Um, you know, I think the speed of the defense was stood out um, for me for sure. Yeah, well, so – to be serious now, I mean, really what I spent the first 15 minutes of the show uh, was just basically a long-winded way of saying that, Kate, you know, because this this is actually your first time being on video addressing what happened Saturday. So I'll kind of hand it over to you. I mean, basically the long and short when it comes to the quarterback position, because, yeah, everything else for the most part did look pretty good. And that's the biggest storyline on the team right now. So I know people are kind of annoyed with the coverage, but we talk about what people are talking about. So basically what I said is that if, if this was Cade McNamara's turn in the rotation, and these are things we've talked about too, is that it was your turn to start and it didn't look sharp. It, it wasn't what it needed to be. If you're trying to, you know, put a stamp on knowing that a guy, the other guy's getting the start next week, you, you're not, I don't really think he forced their hand a ton by saying, Oh, you know what? Might need to get this guy another look down the road. It's the perfect situation that opens the door for a J.J. McCarthy start in week, uh, week three. I mean, we talked about it after they made this decision to kind of do the alternating starts, and I still said my money would be on Cade McNamara being that guy. Um, you know, if somebody had an edge in fall camp, I know Jim Harbaugh said it's neck and neck. I, you know, I think based on what we've heard, that was Cade McNamara, and it's not a huge surprise. J.J. McCarthy didn't have spring. He wasn't even healthy till late in the summer, fully healthy, that is. Um, so not a huge shock, but the further and further we move away from fall camp, the more the games matter, the more that, you know, the things that are actually happening 
in the season. I mean, no one really bases who starts at quarterback once you get to week three, four, five, six, you know, on and on throughout the season on fall camp or on just practice. If you're performing in a game, you're going to play. J.J. McCarthy did that last week. Perfect storm now. He's the first guy out there. He can make some electric plays. Cade's going to play as well, and this is huge for him. I felt like last week Cade looked like the guy who, you know, didn't want to lose the job. J.J. looked like a guy that was really excited for the opportunity. As Jim Harbaugh said, it wasn't a demotion for Cade. I think Cade thinks it probably was in a way, and it kind of is in a sense. But J.J., it was a promotion for him, and he played like uh, really loose, all that. Um, the offense ran smooth when he was in there. He opens up that element in the past game. He had the nice couple nice throws. Um, 11 snaps only, so it's a small sample size. This thing's not over. I wouldn't count Cade McNamara out, you know, even if J.J. ends up starting the third game. I, I think it's a long season. Somebody could get injured. Somebody could get banged up. J.J. could struggle. If Cade wins the job, Cade could struggle. I wouldn't count J.J. out either. So we got a long way to go, but, man, it is uh, a lot different than we – you know, we knew things were going to change, and you and I talked about before the season. We just can't wait for actual games so we don't have to keep writing and talking about the same things. Well, now here we are with some fascinating yeah. stuff. We have data points now, and that's what it's all about. Uh, Steven Sanchez asks, at what point is the, this game the team is – or, I'm sorry, whoa. Anthony, at what point is this game the team is playing at QB detrimental to the development of whatever QB gets the nod for the majority of snaps? That I don't know that it's detrimental to the team because if they were playing this type of roulette and you have Washington on the schedule or Notre Dame on the schedule, I think that's where it's detrimental to the team when it hurts the effort you know, towards winning. They're not going to have issues. They didn't have an issue casually. I mean, that was, I don't want to say the offense slept through the game on Saturday, but that is, that was as casual and out uh, offensive blowout output as it gets. I mean, it was just, it was workmanlike. They had the one big play, the bubble screen to Roman Wilson, but I don't see it being detrimental detrimental in the same way that I don't think bringing in a transfer like Ayabi Anoma was detrimental to the team. A guy who had, you know, some a, a bit of a checkered past, to say the least. When you feel like your culture is in a good spot and your team can handle this, um, it, you know, this is the type of group where, you know, I bet if you asked Mike Morris what he felt about the quarterback situation or Mozzie Smith, probably Mozzie Smith would be the guy. You ask Mozzie Smith what he thinks about the quarterback situation, he could not give less of a rip because that's a guy looking to lead a defense that gets better next week. So I, I just, it's not for me, it's not a problem until it becomes a problem. I feel like we might, they're, they're kind of skirting the line on it right now, which is why I do think that clarity on this situation sooner rather than later. I mean, I don't, if this thing drags on into week five, week six, I mean, these, these two guys might be at each other's throats. Honestly, I think Jim Harbaugh has done a really solid job of handling this so far. Uh, it's been unusual in the, the dichotomy and how one guy gets the week one start, the other guy gets the week two start. But again, unless, I don't know, unless someone goes scorched earth and there's, you know, guys pushing each other in the locker room or whatever. I, I just, to me, I think it's more of a, uh, you know, I'm more worried about if it's detrimental to the fan base because you guys are at everyone's at each other's throats right now. I mean, that is again, Clayton to, to kind of recap the opening segment. I compared it to Matt Weiss's comments about having rich people problems. 
you have two starting caliber quarterbacks. The team you play on Saturday doesn't have one. They're still starting two guys that they don't, they're not sure can play. So you, you have two. Um, and we can't even say with full confidence, we know that JJ McCarthy can play, but he's going to get his shot on Saturday. And like I said, uh, he'll be held to the same standard that Kate is. If he comes out and looks flat, then all of a sudden we're right back where we started here. Yeah, I wouldn't even say they're skirting the line at this point. I feel like Cade, his post-game press conference was not great. There, I was on I was on the air, so I actually wanted to ask you about that. How did you construe those comments? After so it was, it was very much surprising because even Cade noted this in the post-game where he was in this situation in high school where he came in and he wasn't necessarily the guy. He had to win the job. And then the guy becomes a two-time Gatorade of the year um, – you know, Gatorade player of the year in Nevada. First time ever. He comes to Michigan. You know, he redshirts his first year. No drama about that. But then he's behind Joe Milton. And I'm sure he thought he was better. And turns out he was. And then he wins the job. Last year goes, you know, the whole season people were questioning him and all that. And then now here we are in this situation. So even he noted how he's been through this. It feels like he's been in a quarterback competition, competition his entire career. So I thought given that he has experience in this type of fight that I was surprised that he kind of answered the way he did. Um, he's a team captain and his teammates chose him as a captain. So I think he has a duty to do a little bit better than he did at the same time. You know, I think he was just frustrated from the game a little bit. And I think he's doubt started to creep in maybe about, you know, the future here in this coming season because JJ played well and it's his start next week. And, I think that's natural. So it was it was surprising, and I think it was one of those things when he got up and left the room. A lot of people kind of looked at each other and were like, "Wow, like that was that was something that you know that was a thing that just happened." But like anything, and like everything over the last forty eight hours since the game, the, you know, it's probably being overblown at this point. But I, so. I thought it was notable, and it's not not yeah. a talking point. It happened after what happened on the field. It, it felt like Cade, again, was kind of playing not to lose the job, and he was still frustrated, like bringing up – and I know he got asked about it, so it's not totally his fault, but bringing up, you know, how he thought he had a better camp and all, you know, everything like that seemed a little odd to me after you played a game because camp's over. You know, you're in this situation at this point. You would think a guy with such tunnel vision and such a competitor would now be more in the moment about what he has in front of him during this competition that's going to play out on the field. Yeah. Well, I think a, a big part of it and, and Brandon Woosley is saying this in the comments, it, it, there's going to be a moment here where it comes down to how you face adversity and, and how you can overcome it. And Kate did a great job with that on the field last year, off the field, or even a hybrid of on and off the field on Saturday, uh, that performance, both at quarterback and also at the microphone left a bit to be desired. I don't think that's a hot take. Um, I do. I want to sympathize with him in one instance of it. And then I swear we'll move on from quarterbacks. We'll start taking questions here soon. Uh, it's just the type of topic this is. I mean, we could probably go two hours on it. I don't have a lot of interest in that. I feel like I've already gone two hours on it over the last couple of days. These last six minutes have felt like two hours. I know it's week one. Oh my God. It just, we just wrapped week one. And it's going to be a longer week because we don't we don't have a game to watch until Saturday at eight o'clock. So True. I feel bad for Cade because even going back to last year, it the narrative has always been that he's kind of the placeholder, and that when JJ 
is ready to play, whether that was last season, whether it was this season, whether he holds them off until next year, that, you know, to, to constantly be labeled as someone whose days are numbered is frustrating. And I know that Josh Gaddis is a guy that catches a lot of heat, but I remember a press conference last year where Gaddis kind of went to bat for McNamara in that regard. Cause I think that was something that was weighing on him, you know, probably halfway through last season. I mean, even as early as week two, when they couldn't throw the ball at all against Washington, it was, when do we Didn't. see JJ? When are we going to see JJ? Right. So to deal with that, um, the only thing you can really do is take matters into your own hands again and stake your claim, make your improvements, do all those things. Saturday wasn't, uh, wasn't what it was expected to be. And now like you control your own. If you come out hot, you sort of control your own destiny. If you come out hot, JJ comes out hot and they go with JJ. That's out of your hands. But when you play, it wasn't a poor game, but it was far from, uh, it was far from noteworthy when you don't play your best game and the other guy kind of comes in and gives your offense a lift. And then again, sample size, JJ only had one full drive on Saturday. Uh, he had the two plays at the end of the drive. That was the touchdown run. He had yep. one full drive. He ran the first play of the next drive. Then it was uh, Alan Bowman the rest of the way until Alex orgy found his way into the end zone at the end of the game. So again, sample size, it's going to be decided on the field. Uh, you know, I, I realize that, I just, I think we can talk about the quarterback thing. And I know like this is wishful thinking. This is the internet. This is college football fandom. This is Michigan fandom. Reasonable discourse does not always exist, but I think we can have the QB conversation without taking pot shots at either guy. Uh, I really do. Cause both played a role in what happened last year. Both have been, you know, both guys that the locker room has respect for. I just I don't think it has to whatever happens, it's gonna decide itself on the field. And do I come out of week one thinking that there's a chance that might have been the last time we see Cade start a game? I think it's possible, but again, we'll see what happens with JJ on Saturday. So any other final game thoughts? I mean, I could easily sit here and shout out the defense, eight sacks, eleven tackles for loss, pressure from every which way. I mean, we've, we've plowed that ground as a site pretty thoroughly, but from your perspective, uh, I know you had a long kind of upon rewatch thread on the board. Anything else stand out to you? Yeah. I mean, we can start real quick with the offensive line. I mean, I thought they played up and down a little bit and that's to be expected when you're kind of missing some guys. Barnhart got hurt after already being the replacement for Ryan Hayes. Giovanni Elhadi, I thought, had some good moments. Trente Jones was kind of the one where everyone was like, okay, he's getting beat because he got beat a couple times, including allowing the sack. But then you rewatch and you see him pull around the left side a few times. And I know, Anthony, you saw it in game two. We talked about it. But, um, you know, he made some great blocks. So Trente Jones, you know, good start for him. He got the first start out of the way for himself in his career at right tackle. I know he technically started a couple games as the extra lineman last year. So, thought that was good. C.J. Stokes stood out to me at running back. Uh, reminded me of Karan Higdon, and I know I wasn't the only one who said that. Some people on the message board did too. But first thing that popped into my head was, do you remember how Karan Higdon used to kind of stumble as a freshman a little bit? And I think there was one where he had like a huge hole, stumbled and just fell on his own in maybe one of his first carries or, you know, first games. Uh, Stokes kind of stumbled a little bit and then got ahead of steam and gained 18 yards on a run and had a couple other nice ones. So I thought – that was encouraging. He was a three-star recruit that got here in the summer, and this, the coaching staff has raved about him 
since he got here. So we finally got to see that on display. Depth at tight end was there. I mean, Scooney and Eric all kind of, you know, basically split snaps. Honigford got almost as many as both of them. Scooney was outstanding in the run blocking game. All had a great catch from Cade, which was a well-thrown ball. I mean, we have to say that too. I'm sure you talked about it, but the defensive line being, you know, just subbing guys in left and right, and there was no drop-off. Mozzie Smith was better than people probably gave him credit for with some of the double teams. There was one point – at one point, it must have been a mistake from Colorado State, but three guys pass-blocking Mozzie. Uh, and then I think Michigan, a bunch of guys got in the backfield on that play, but incredible from him. Mike Morris looked fast. Iabi Anoma was, you know, amazing on his first snap, and it's what we talked about, Anthony. We both said when he came here, it was like – Edge is the spot where you don't need to know the playbook. Just let him go get the quarterback. And guess what? That's exactly what Michigan did. So uh, Junior Colson was all over the field. I thought part of that was Mozzie and the interior guys keeping him clean. Mike Barrett, who we talked to tonight, really fast. Mike Sainer still. I mean, you could basically list every guy in that defense. One of the most underrated parts of the game that I you know, noticed even more after rewatching was the secondary and how well they did tackling. I mean, Colorado State completed 16 of 20 passes. Those were a lot of just dink and dunk, short type of passes. But guys like DJ Turner were coming up making hits. Sandra still was a part of that. Linebackers were huge there too. Rod Moore. Um, so I thought that was a really good bright spot that I didn't notice as much watching it live where you you really marvel at it watching it again. Um, but there was so much good in this game. And the offense was – Fine. I mean, they still ran for 234 yards, I think it was. Six yards of carry. I mean, I don't care what Colorado State is. That's a decent defensive line for the Mountain West. And, you know, Michigan still kind of had its way. Zinter and Olu were really good. Um, and Harbaugh said Trevor Keegan graded out near the top there, too. So, I think overall, uh, it was a lot of positives. Donovan Edwards lowering his shoulder. Um a good day overall and it's too bad in a way it's overshadowed by the quarterbacks but at the same time I mean this is the situation we're in it was basically as big of a storyline as the other parts of the game itself and that's the sport but um there was still a ton more to like it's the sport and the position like inherently that's just the way it is I mean the defense my god I mean they I think when some people heard Jim Harbaugh say this offseason that he felt like they had a no-star defense they're like so he's saying they don't have any talent on the team. Like, what does that mean? Uh, no, I think it means they don't have – I mean, last year they had two, three, maybe four guys that just kind of – I don't want to say did it on their own, but talked about got ahead of it, got to have it guys earlier on in the show, uh, guys like Hassan Haskins. But on the defensive side of the ball, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, Daxton Hill, three first-round talents. O Ojabo would have been a first-round pick if he didn't tear his Achilles. Those guys aren't there, but – God, they look as deep and as fast, as physical. They tackle super well. I mean, usually tackling this time of year. Uh, go look at Nebraska's tackling in week zero. Yeah. Uh, Michigan is not uh, – is far, far beyond that. So I think well, their development is pretty advanced at this stage. I think that we'll continue to kind of see – like the third and longs, there were a couple of those that were converted, that, and that's kind of annoying, but uh, – Sometimes that just happens, you know, a good third down defense is still going to get beat, you know, Tom, you know, time and time again. So, um, yeah, not a lot of concerns on that side of the ball offense. I don't know if it was the heat. I don't know. Like, it wasn't just Cade. 
The offensive line had injuries. We've talked about that. Trevor Keegan had to shuffle over to, to left tackle, which I'll be honest, I know he lost 40 pounds, but I never even considered that as a possibility. So when that happened, that was kind of surprising to me. Trent A. Jones had some good reps, but then you know a few others he got beat pretty badly on. A lot of those things that, that happened Saturday that people are calling concerns, maybe in the chat, those are just question marks right now. Those are things that just need to be ironed out. It's one game. It's the vacuum of, of one game. Um, so, yeah, that's more or less how we feel about it. I mean, I guess yeah. any other final thoughts here before we well, yeah, go straight into questions? Jim Harbaugh said it after the game. Like someone asked about the offensive line and maybe some of the, you know, allowing the sack and maybe a little bit of, I think he said, you know, they got too much penetration on some of those edge uh, runs that they had, you know, where Colorado State was able to kind of get there and stack them up. He was like, well, it's it's good, you know, to a certain extent to have a couple things to work on. Someone in the, you know, CS in the great initials, by the way, in the chat said, uh, you know, the defense need to contain better. I noticed that too on a few plays. I remember not to single out just one guy, but Braden McGregor lost the edge at one point. A um, couple other guys, you know, a couple different times. Colorado State ran the ball effectively, you know, a few times. Um, those are just things that finally, you know, they're on film in a game and now you can go work on them. So not super – they have the athletes. I mean, they showed it in the other, you know, aspects of the game. So not super worried about those things. And it's probably a positive that they have some things to work on. Um, interesting that Jim Harbaugh brought up today too, on that note was, yeah, I mean, they're better than Hawaii. I think he kind of acknowledged that in someone asking the question, but they're competing against Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, the top teams around the country. He said he got to watch some of those games when he got home on Saturday and he noticed there's a lot of good teams out there. So they're motivated to kind of, you know, be ready for that type of competition when it comes. Yeah. The biggest criticism you get in a non-conference game like that is like, well, what do you expect? It was Colorado state. And next week it'll be, what do you expect? It was Hawaii. I expect it to look like that. When you play a team that is that much less talented than you are at every position, I expect you to to have eight sacks, maybe not Mm -hmm. eight sacks, 11 tackles for loss. I mean, that's, to me, that's almost going above and beyond. But when you have that advantage, it should look dominant. So that's, you know, you can't hold them to the standard of, I don't know, there are certain things they need to clean up before they're ready to beat Ohio State. That's, you need to do away with that line of thought if you're watching college football. Like, it's a week-to-week process. We saw it last year. The team that played in week one against Western Michigan was not the team that took the field that last Saturday in November. Um, you know, it's important for them to say, what are you doing to beat Ohio state today? But from a, how do we gauge things in the vacuum of one game? It's a checklist uh, offensively. Yeah. They could have been a little sharper. Sure. Still scored 51 points, somewhat slept walk to 51 points. Well, 44 points. They had the, yeah. uh, the fumble return for a touchdown, but if that's, if that was a sluggish offensive performance and you still found a way to sort of, I mean, got to, we love Jake Moody, right? Jake Moody is as reliable as it gets, but kind of was getting early season offense vibes from settling for field goals so co- uh, so close to uh, the end zone on Saturday. That's stuff that has to be cleaned up. You know, forget that it's Cade McNamara, your quarterback. Period. Whoever it is can't be one for six in the red zone. That has to improve. Uh, play calling can probably improve on that. Was that was a very blase vanilla game plan as well by design? I would think. They will call things this weekend that suit J.J. McCarthy's skill set. 
but you're not going to see anything. You know, they're not running the flea flicker, flicker this weekend or anything like that. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. The fact that you can kind of, you have the wiggle room to tinker with some things and get the other guy starting experience. Um, there's another big school that's doing that with a quarter. I think it's Ole Miss is starting a different quarterback in a week too, just to get really because they have, um, they have Jackson dart too. Yeah, I, I think it's old. He- I could be wrong. Someone in the chat can can correct me on that. But overall, job well done in week one. The only thing that you can glean from it are the things that didn't look great. And that was the starting quarterback. That was the offensive line, I think, probably has. I mean, they will be fine. I have zero concerns about the offensive line. Wide receivers, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of games where Ronnie Bell has a drop or Cornelius Johnson has two drops that seems like something that that is kind of an outlier. So, uh, you know, your one of your starting tight ends isn't going to have a child born at 7.30 a.m. every week. So congrats that's something to Eric. I'm not too worried about. Congrats to Eric All, by the way. Um, and Houston Xavier All. Eight pounds, four ounces, I think it was, with not a recorded wingspan yet, as Jim Harbaugh said. What would that be? Class of 2040? Yeah, we should make a – Profile forum on on three's database. So good, God, uh, I, I've, I'm staring down the barrel of thirty here. I know that's not old, but it is eye opening when you see class of 2041. I think my mortgage will mature before then. So, Jeez. Uh, let's go to questions. questions. Let's yeah. go to questions now. Uh, we could just do rapid fire. We'll probably do another 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, we'll start with Jeremy. Uh, after rewatching the tape, did you see open receivers missed? Seemed seemed Cade was locked into his first read. Uh, I saw that live. Um, there was the play. There were a couple of plays where it seemed like you know the pass rush kind of. You definitely could have climbed the ladder in the pocket a little bit and gave yourself a little more of a chance to make a play. But um, I don't know that I saw open receivers missed. I just thought that everyone was kind of sluggish on sluggish on that side of the ball. Yeah, I thought there were a few, including. Some of the ones that you pointed out, Jim Harbaugh talked about today, Cade was beating himself up over missing Cornelius Johnson the one time. Um, It's hard to tell sometimes on those TV camera angles. So you're right. We probably saw it better live in the press box because we have such a, you know, good view up there in terms of that, seeing the whole field. But it, um, yeah, I feel like Cade was locked in on his first target a lot of times. That was part of being tight too, where it was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to force it to this guy. And then he just had to throw it away on a few occasions in the red zone, which is fine because you're not turning the ball over. You have Jake Moody and you can still get points, but you want to convert when you can. Yeah, that's I, all those things. I would agree with all that. Ghost Rider asks, how does Ryan Hayes, how's Ryan Hayes and the rest of offensive line doing health wise? Uh, yeah. Quick update on that. We'll see on Ryan Hayes. I mean, it seemed like it was a precautionary thing. I don't know that we have any more updates on that. Clayton can clarify that for me in a second here. Yeah. Uh, Carson Barnhart for sure out this week, ankle sprain. I would guess that's probably, we probably don't see him for a couple weeks. I mean, there's no reason to rush him back. And, you know, we can get so many guys reps like uh, Gio El Hadi, I thought played really well uh, when he was in there. Had a couple reps that didn't go great, but again, uh, you want to put that stuff on film in, in these early games, but yeah. Uh, injury wise, I don't know that I'm too concerned. Uh, Ryan Hayes, what's the latest with that? Yeah, I don't think it's anything major. So I would expect him probably to be back unless it's another, the same thing where you don't actually need him. This would be the interesting thing to me is was the Trevor Keegan 
kicking out to left tackle thing just because that happened in game with Carson. Mm. Um, and now that you have a week of practice, is a guy like Jeff Percy ready to start if he has to? Yeah. No reason to rush Carson Barnhart back. Sprained ankle wouldn't make sense anyway. And, you know, I mean, if Ryan Hayes is back, you probably wouldn't need Carson Barnhart anyway. So, yeah, I, I think the offense line is going to be fine. Very, very, very healthy fall camp. And these were kind of the minor things. Nakai Hill Green at linebacker. Jim Harbaugh said in the pregame radio show before, you know, this last game that Nakai will be back next week. So we'll see. That's he's, He says that sometimes and it's not always the case, but I think that's the expectation, which is good news too. Soft tissue injury, they said. So, yeah. So everything, no big concerns right now. No season enders, anything like that. Uh, CS asks, why does it seem like Donovan Edwards is hesitant? I saw some of that too. There are times where it still seems like he's, he's very young in terms of, of running back age and, and ability and things like that. That's something that I think, again, we talk about putting mistakes on film. You know, if Donovan Edwards misses a hole or, or something like that, and it might not, that's something you hope where you put it on film and it gets self-corrected. I mean, there were times early in his career, um, Hassan Haskins vision wasn't great or what it needed to be there. The Ohio state game in 2019 on fourth down, if he cuts the ball back up, you know, back up the field, that's a, that's a closer game, you know, in the fourth quarter and, you know, one that kind of spiraled out of control on you. So it takes time. I mean, he's a guy that you would expect to be ready out of the box, given how talented he is. But again, this is, you know, he's not making excuses for him at all, but someone who's still kind of drinking out of the fire hose in terms of, what his role is this year compared to what he did last year. So I, I, I don't have many concerns with him. I think his pass catching, this is probably true, you know, from last year too. Like he came to college where his pass catching was ahead of his running, which can be the case for an athlete like that. I mean, there's so much more to take into account when you're running the ball. I mean, Mike Hart is one of the best at teaching it. So not worried about Donovan, but I did have some concerns coming into the season about, you know, is he going to make the right, you know, read in terms of following his blocks and being patient. I think being patient is one of the things that he has improved on the most and continue, you know, will need to continue to improve on where you kind of let things develop a little bit more. But I will say I did love how he lowered his shoulder, dragged some defenders a few times. And then the time he had the catch where he could have got the first down and wanted to cut outside for some reason. I saw Donovan do that a couple times in high school. And then they'd get near the goal line and Bellamy would tell him to just lower your shoulder and, you know, he'd pull him to the sideline and then send him back out, lower your shoulder and get in. He would. So he's continuing to learn there. I thought it was a good teaching moment. And then the next play, they ran him up the middle on third and one. He was able to get the first. So it's all learning stuff for him running the ball. But I think him and Blake are a good one-two punch, and they showed a little bit of that on Saturday. All right, we'll go to another question here. Next up is your boy Blue who asked – Brandon McGregor. Is Brandon McGregor? Is Braden McGregor? It is Braden McGregor. Is he the next Hutch? When you look at the guys that were out there Saturday, I mean, he is. He might be the closest one in terms of. You know, I feel like even going back to high school, you see that guy in pads. He's, you know, a blonde-haired white kid that looks like Aiden Hutchinson. Like I see the comparison, but I was I was really I was really impressed by the fact that he was. I know PFF didn't grade him out super highly, but. Um, and he didn't record a stat on Saturday, but I think that was one of the more eye-opening performances in that, you know, he was getting consistent pressure. He was at least on one or two snaps. It seemed like a fingertip away from 
making a play on the quarterback. I mean, that's a guy he he looked quicker. He looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Um, you know, they have so many guys there, and all the talk about Mike Morris played a great game, but all the talk was about Morris and Taylor Upshaw, and it was the guys that impressed me most were pretty much everyone yeah. else, including Ayabi Anoma, uh, who gets a sack on his first Jalen Harrell. Jalen Harrell, my guy. Your guy. I've been driving Embrace, Jalen yeah. Harrell hype train all offseason. Um, Derek Moore, I think I said him already. Everyone, everyone that got in the game. And they, I mean, who had this on their bingo card, by the way? First sack of the season, nickel defensive back Mike Sainristil, who played wide receiver last year. I mean, that's a mad lib. No one came up with that. No one had yeah. that as a prop bet. Um, you know, they were getting pressure for, I mean, Mike, was it Mike Barrett that had a sack? Yep. Um, you know, Junior Colson got some pressure. RJ Moten got pressure. Um, you know, they were we Rod saw Moore. the pressure and the different looks from from every level of the defense, which is something they were pretty open about wanting to improve. I was impressed by that. So I don't know that anyone is the next hutch. If you're asking me, you know, you're asking me, is anyone on here the next hutch? Is anyone a Heisman Trophy finalist and the potential number two overall pick in the draft? No. I think Aiden Hutchinson is a guy that as time goes on, will be every bit as revered as, you know, Charles Woodson was, uh, Desmond Howard, Chad Henney, Mike Hart, all of those guys of the last 25 years or so, um, 30 years or so, whatever it is. That guy's that good. So I'm not holding anyone to that standard. I'm just looking for someone that can get to the quarterback. And I saw a lot of guys on Saturday. So that was good to see. Yeah. I mean, McGregor looked great. He was a guy that he, I would call him my guy if you get to claim Jalen Harrell because. <laughs> At a certain point, it was like, well, if everyone's just going to mention this guy and if Jesse Minter is going to mention him as the third guy um, when he was asked who's going to lead the team in sacks, it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to ignore this anymore. Uh, Braden McGregor has made a move, and then we finally saw it. We saw him move pretty well in the spring game, so that was kind of nice to see. But then to actually see it in game, I mean, that was that was awesome. Happy for him after, you know, kind of coming in hurt and, and having to – wait behind a bunch of guys but i think you know based on what you hear i mean he put himself in aiden's hip pocket so uh last year and learned from him just like david ajabo did so he's not the next aiden hutchinson as anthony you said nobody is but i mean if he can just be productive and make some plays like he did on saturday they're going to be fine because there's plenty of different options there too that can do something similar so encouraged with that and the whole edge room yeah looking forward to seeing that uh and how that group progresses here uh tyler mcvay says i'd like to see more of stokes yeah i mean talk about speaking of some respect on mike hart's name i know he's caught a lot of heat for you know maybe not hitting on the the bigger guys on the recruiting trail but cj stokes is a mike hart evaluation and that guy came in i mean he didn't get here till fall camp looked ready to go out of the box i mean couple couple long runs uh you know one of them was on that you know again back to jj mccarthy the reason that a guy like CJ Stokes is able to have a run on his a run like that on his first carry in a Michigan uniform is because that quarterback invites that extra attention when he is a run threat. So a little another feather in his cap there in terms of what his skill set does. But Stokes, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say I was surprised to see him because when Harbaugh discussed like who that third back was, from a rushing perspective, he said straight up that it was CJ Stokes. We've heard stuff yeah. about Javier Dunlap. Kellel Mullings had gotten some work back there. Isaiah Gash, a walk-on, uh, got a little bit of work. But Stokes, to me, looks clearly like the team's number three running back right now. Yeah, I mean, if you 
brought him in in a big game and he had to just pass protect, I think you'd probably be better off maybe going with Tavi or Dunlap. But maybe by the time they get to some of those bigger games, he will be ready for that. Um, yeah. I loved what I saw from CJ Stokes. We talked about it earlier, but he was he was eye opening. It was exciting to see that based on a, you know what we kept hearing. So I like CJ Stokes. Um, I think he's he's going to be a really good back here, and it makes you feel better about. Benjamin Hall, who they have committed in 2023, or even Cole Cabana. I already am high on Cole Cabana, but, you know, Mike Hart, man, like you said, he took some heat. And, uh, you know, I think, sure, I mean, you want some higher guys. Like, he he wanted some higher-rated guys. They've gone after some of those guys and not landed him. So it's not like we're pretending that maybe Stokes was at the top of the board, but he still isn't going to take a guy he doesn't like. He clearly likes the guys he's taken. And Stokes is already showing us something. And this kid got here, what, 90 days ago or whatever it is. So it's impressive. All right. We have time for a couple more here. Uh, let's go to this question from Victor Rodriguez, who asks, do you think the coaching staff will open up the playbook a bit more and have JJ aired out with Jaden Davis coming in this weekend? A uh, bit of a bit of conspiracy brain here. Uh, I know that EJ, EJ Holland of our site had said that, Davis was originally going to come in for UConn weekend. I don't know that it's that big of a coincidence that he'll now be in town for the night game with the other former touted quarterback recruit getting a start for Michigan. You know, listen, Michigan's not going to roll out there and run the air raid and they're not going to run four verts all game. Like you're playing Madden. Like that's not how it's going to operate. They are going to put JJ McCarthy's skill set on display which is I think you'll see the quarterback run. I think you'll see, you know, one of the most, you know, whenever people talk about JJ McCarthy and his passing highlights, they show the touchdowns to, to Dalen Baldwin from last year, or some of those longer plays that he had uh, to me, it's something, even just going back to Saturday's game, when you, you break down how both guys played when your quarterback needs, when your quarterback needs to get the ball out to the numbers, that uh, doesn't come off the hand as quickly from Kate as it does from JJ. I mean, JJ zips it out there. Even Alan Bowman zipped one out to the numbers this week. So I, I would expect them to see him or expect to see them get him in rhythm with the short passing game. See if they can get him a couple easy ones. See if they can get him a couple QB runs and just, I don't know. They're not going to see Let him cook a bit. Call a game like you would have to call a game if JJ McCarthy was your starting quarterback. Um, you know, again, they're not going to give away state secrets and things like that, but I do think, I don't know that they'll open up the playbook and dump out the bags or the bag of secrets, but I think they will put that guy's skill set on display and for Jaden Davis and any other elite quarterback that might be considering or reconsidering Michigan to, you know, give him something to chew on. So we're going to take one more here and yeah. then get out of here. So. I think, I think things are going to look so easy anyway against Hawaii. It's yeah. not really going to matter. I think they would have let – I don't think it's because of Jaden Davis. Obviously, I don't know. There could have been that conversation in the building. But, I mean, if J.J.'s starting, you're going to do some of those things anyway. And I want to note about Jaden Davis, too. Our E.J. Holland, who's been all over this, has talked about in the past how Jaden Davis likes Michigan's offense as it is. I'm sure he would love to throw a little bit more, but he loves the pro style. He loves that it's an NFL-type of system run by Matt Weiss, Jim Harbaugh, obviously Sharon Moore too, and some of the other guys. And he likes a strong run game. He wants to go somewhere that has a strong run game. He's also considering Georgia. Look at them. It's not this open it up, you know, pass type of thing. Stetson Bennett's there. He's good, not great. 
So we got to consider that too about Jaden Davis. He's a little different than some of the other top tier recruits. And I think that's why he's vibed with Michigan a little bit more than maybe some of the other guys, but yeah, yeah. I think there's less impressing that has to be done with him. Right. More or less. Uh, We'll get out of here on this one. Uh, We have other work related duties to move on to Uh, from Jeremy has Barrett. I assume this means Mike Barrett passed. And I assume Uh, this means Nikai Hill green. Yeah. Uh, with his performance. I think it's premature. I I thought that Barrett played well. I think that he's a guy that at the very least, you're going to be able to get a lot of value out of him, especially in sub packages where you need a guy that can play kind of both that linebacker and safety role. But again, um, everyone was so good on Saturday that again, I just need to see how they all fare with more live bullets, so to speak. So not ready to call that done yet. Nakai is injured. He has a soft tissue injury. I'm not a big believer in losing your job while injured, but that was impressive to see on Saturday. Yeah. I think it's going to be situation. I think it's going to depend on opponent, but I will say, I think Mike Barrett is going to be way more in the mix than he was last year, even though Nakai Hill green and junior Colson are still there. Yeah. Um, I think Kalel Mullings is going to get, have something to say about that too. So I don't think Nakai, I think he may play a similar amount of snaps as he did last year, even though he's improved and there's no Josh Ross. But I think it's a good thing for Michigan because linebacker depth is one of the bigger question marks on the defense, you know, coming into the season. We saw Kalel play pretty well. He actually started. So maybe you would say he's ahead. But I thought Mike Barrett played better than Kalel Mullings. And then he ended up kind of finishing, not the game because it got to garbage time, but finishing the significant portion of the game and playing the bulk of the snaps. So, I thought I liked what I saw from Mike Barrett. I I think with this defense, um, the other guys around him, he's a good fit for what they're trying to do. That's a lot of speed too. If when him and Junior are on the field together, so yeah, impressed by the speed, impressed by the the aptitude of of those guys on defense, just picking things up so quickly and playing fast, hard, and and like their hair was on fire. So. That is going to do it for us. Uh, Clayton, appreciate you hopping on. Uh, we still got a good 45 minutes uh, with you in. Yep. So great to have you here. Uh, appreciate you guys who watched throughout. Again, you can uh, be sure to drop a like on the video. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Live shows coming up the rest of the week. John Bort will be up tomorrow at 530. EJ Holland and his recruiting show Wednesday at 7. And then Clayton, uh, Chris Ballas, and myself will be back Thursday. Pre-recorded, but our pregame show before the Hawaii game and then Saturday night post game, probably around uh, around probably around midnight at this rate <laughs> with it being an eight o'clock yeah. game. So uh, Clayton, thank you for coming on. Thank you to our producer Hutch for all the work he does behind the scenes. Thank you to you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>